Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and I hope all of you out there had a uh, awesome holiday. Uh, were able to do something uh, fun with uh, the people around you, or you know, zoom in with family, or however you celebrated. Um, Hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, I know myself and Casey certainly did. Putting out that uh, fun show, uh, watching, <laughs> watching Cheetan uh, wield that baseball bat only the way that Cheetan can. Um, but it's a new month. It's December. We're coming to the tail end of the year here, and we're kicking off our final month of the year um, with another trip across the pond. We are talking to Rebel Kenny, the psycho. Dyke, um, one of the more um, unabashed out uh, queer pro wrestlers in the Brit Rest scene right now. Um, most well known probably for her work in Pro Wrestling Eve, although she has wrestled for a number of other places, including London School of Lucha Libre, which makes her the second London School of Lucha Libre alum to come on the show following Cassius, so that's that's always fun. Um, but no, like she is very, very upfront about her um, her lesbian identity, and it really ruminates through uh, through audiences, through two audiences rather, um, whenever she is wrestling, and and she's just an all around awesome personality, and I'm really glad that we had a chance to sit down and chat with her for the show today. Um, definitely some interesting stories around uh, the Chris Wolf retirement show from last year that she. Um, was on but almost wasn't that we'll get more into that later um but no just super excited to have rebel on and have a chance to to chat about her beginnings in her career um but today is also a little little scratch that it's not a little it's it's a lot bittersweet because while i'm happy to have rebel on the show uh, and to be able to continue to do this show for all of you, uh, we also are coming off the heels of the passing of Pat Patterson, um, a pro wrestling icon, if there ever was one. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, especially whenever you talk to like audiences of this show and, and out sports and, you know, a, a number of people um, within the pro wrestling audience, you know, they recognize Pat for, you know, being a, an out gay pro wrestler. Um, even though he wasn't out publicly through most of his career, it was a very well-known uh, fact of him, and he finally publicly came out on the on Legends House a few years back on the WWE Network. But he was definitely a trailblazer in that way, but honestly, his legacy goes so much further um, than just that uh, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, the man literally did it all in a career that spanned... 60 years in this business. I mean, he started when he was 17 years old. Um, I still go back and watch the alley fight from 1981 with him and Sergeant Slaughter. It was just amazing stuff. And then into the, the late 90s and 2000s as one of the Stooges along with Gerald Briscoe. You know, and that's just him in front of the camera, like behind the camera, inventing the Royal Rumble match, um, coming up with some of the more iconic... Uh, finishes in, in WWE history um, and just really being a creative force within that company and touching so many people, influencing so many people in that company 
even into like the modern era of uh, of who we see regularly compete on WWE programming. Um, I'm working on a, a written thing that I think will collect my thoughts a little bit better. I'm, I mean, I, that was this was the first thing I saw when I woke up on um, Wednesday morning, and um, it still doesn't feel all the way real yet. Um, I think talk as I'm talking about it now, it is feeling more real. Um, but uh, I just wanted to take a little bit of time before we jump into our interview to. Um, you know, highlight a man who is worthy of everyone's highlight in Pat Patterson. The blonde bomber was one of a kind. Truly was. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to discuss before we jump into the interview with Rebel, though. Um, because, you know, mentioning Pro Wrestling Eve, you, you cannot mention Pro Wrestling Eve this year without um, jumping back to March whenever uh, co-founder Emily Reed um, said some very transphobic things around a event that we get into in the interview with Rebel, and we we discuss a little bit. Um, you know, basically, Eve announced a, a show where only women will be allowed to attend. Some trans women took exception to it, um, and you know, reached out to Emily to try and get a better definition of what she meant by that, and that produced um, some very transphobic comments, and um, you know. Really invoking imagery of like sexual assault as well in them. It was just not not good all around. And in reviewing this episode, never let's go back to kind of touch up and edit some stuff here and there in it. I listened to my initial um, entrance into this conversation, and I felt like I did not truly state where exactly I was at. Um, when it comes to this stuff, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I put out there that, um, and I'm coming at this from, from a cis person's angle as well. So obviously like it's, I don't know the trans experience. I don't know the non-binary experience, but, um, I just want to reiterate that my, my thoughts that Emily Reed, what Emily Reed said, um, the comments that she made to, uh, the trans woman that reached out to her were incredibly transphobic. Um, no matter what context you want to take, they they were um, out of line, and you know Emily resigned from the company um, shortly after that happened. I just wanted to take a moment and um, kind of reiterate where I was at um, when entering this conversation with with Rebel uh, about this. So, well, with that stated, uh, let's get into my conversation with the Psycho Dyke, Rebel Kenny. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am super excited to have as my guest this week someone who has been lighting it up over in the Brit Rest scene for a couple years at this point. You know her from Pro Wrestling Eve, London School of Lucha, or is it London School of Lucha Libre? I am bad with names <laughs> sometimes. Um, it's London School of Lucha Libre. Yeah. Hooray! I got that right. Cassie's won't get <laughs> mad at me. Um, so, um, but you know her from those places, the Psycho Dyke, Rebel Kitty. Rebel, how are you doing today? I'm good. That was a fantastic intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, honestly, a fantastic intro for a fantastic person. I've been excited to have a chance to sit down and chat with you because, you know, we've, we've had on the show people from all different facets of the LGBTQ community on the show. And, you know, but one of the, I think, underrepresented um 
has to be the the lesbian community. Obviously, there are um, out lesbians in pro wrestling, but not many of them will really kind of wear on their sleeve per se in the same way that you do. I mean, your name is the Psycho Dyke. Like it's it's out there for everyone, and you are like unabashed about it. And I'm very 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 glad to have the chance to chat with you about that as well as your your career so far. So I guess my first question would be, and, and it's not necessarily even related to, to wrestling, because obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, how have uh, things been for you over the course of the pandemic? I know I think y'all just went back into a lockdown not too long ago over there. Uh, yeah, we're currently in lockdown too again now. Mm-hmm. How's it, how's it been kind of handling this, not being able to be in the ring for yourself and, and just where are you at kind of in dealing with it? I mean, definitely really rough. Like at one point I'd be in the gym six times a week, training three to four times a week. And now it's just me in a punch bag in the basement. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, it's definitely different, but I'm glad that you have access to that in the basement though. At least it's something to, to kind of embrace it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've got that and then the occasional weightlifting of literally me lifting up housemates. <laughs> I, I love the improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on my best day, that's the only weightlifting I do anyway. Mm. Just someone on my shoulder squatting overhead. You know, why stop now? <laughs> uh, well, I... You know what? I'm glad that you're you're finding ways to still kind of engage with everything that, even if it's just working out, something that goes along with with the ring right now. Because I think you know, obviously, like companies over here in the states have continued running, but the, from what I understand, like the British wrestling scene is basically shut down for a long time. Um, like I don't I don't know if anybody has been running events over there, even whenever y'all weren't in lockdown. Um, there's a few like I know Rev Pro are putting on no crowd shows mm. okay. and like maybe one or two and I've seen a few that maybe shouldn't be putting on shows but <laughs> yeah for the most part that there's nothing happening mm. that <sighs> I can understand like, I don't know like that's just such a it's all a bummer honestly but you know it's honestly considering some of the issues that companies have had on our side of the pond with uh, with outbreaks and stuff like that. It, it might not be necessarily the worst approach, honestly. Well, you know, obviously you're, you're keeping busy and, and trying to at least engage with with the wrestling in some way, shape or form while you're um, in lockdown there. Um, but before that, you've had a, little, a few years now um, on the scene over there and you've been definitely making a name for yourself, like I said in the intro. Um, most notably with Pro Wrestling Eve, but with a number of other companies as well. Um, what kind of brought you to pro wrestling? What made you become interested and think that this is something you could do? Um, li literally the first match I ever watched, I was immediately just like, I need to do that. How do I do that? Um, I mean, it was a weird way I came about seeing my first match. I originally turned in to watch The Lion King on VHS and someone swapped the tape out for Royal Rumble 2000. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, instead of watching the story of Simba, I watched Has Be Up Kurt Angle. 
Honestly, that's not a that's not a bad intro match there. I could see how that would hook you. I did you ever find out like who switched out the tape? I mean, I'm presuming my brother, which weirdly enough, he's someone who never jumped on bandwagons, but for some reason he briefly watched wrestling. Just long enough for me to then continue watching it. <laughs> so you so you see Taz Kurt Angle at Royal Rumble 2000, and that kind of gets you in, that gets you interested in pro wrestling. At what point do you sort of like start entertaining the idea of that being something that you want to do? Um, I mean, as I say, like I want to do it, but on that same pay per view, it has the alleged first ever Miss Rumble 2000 swimsuit contest which to this day I know people that are angry there was never a second annual one but you know (laughs) that's its own thing so kind of seeing that and other than China there was just no other options so it wouldn't be until 2002 where I saw Jazz at Survivor Series I know not 02 that would be 03 yeah her debut kind of just as the invasion angle was coming to an end and her entrance just this huge woman who I've never seen Paul Heyman's going crazy about her so that's that's a good sign I guess and then she comes down gets in the ring and I think it might have been Ivory it might have been Molly Holly I can't remember but she gets in the ring throws them up in the air and just slams them straight down and I had never seen any woman who looked kind of close to how I look doing the kind of things that I know is more my style. So yeah, literally the second I saw jazz, it was just, right, that, that's my way in. That's interesting. Like I, jazz is somebody who, like I, it's been around the industry for so long, but really outside I don't know, outside of like certain circles has it really I think really gotten the recognition due to her mm-hmm. um I'm glad that you know I know she's partnered up with Thunder Rosa for a new school here and I'm glad that she's getting that opportunity but it's really interesting to hear that like jazz was was the the kind of tipping point for you in that way um has, did she remain kind of a an influence going forward after that for you Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know she kind of didn't hang around with the company for long, which I I put down entirely to the company not being fond of a strong black woman doing amazing things and not being the feminine norm or anything. I mean, I, I tried to follow her as much as I could, but being a 11, 12 year old onwards teen without Sky or anything or the internet, it was it kind of got a bit hard. But I still did like a bit of tape training here or there to kind of keep up with her. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's definitely a challenge. But I, 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 I second you on that opinion about why she didn't last long in WWE, um, because like obviously there are many things to critique about that company, um, and one of them definitely has been their attitudes towards their um, POC talent, um, any marginalized talent really over the years and it's in a way it, it it kind of i'm just like putting things together in my head it, it makes a lot of sense as we keep talking about this like relationship you have with like watching jazz and kind of being inspired by jazz and in that she was very very brash 
and very in your face about who she was, what she represented, and what she was going to do, no matter what you were trying going to try and put in front of her. And it caused a lot of clashes. I think that's the main reason why she's worked in so many different companies in a lot of ways. But it's also was what made her her. And I could definitely see that being something watching you now. Like that is definitely something that that you've adopted in the ring and as well as your personality outside of the ring. Like I think it, it really does that that comparison is speaks volumes when looking at, at yourself. So yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. I I, I never I, I should have made that link, but I never would. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point do you start um training to to get into into the ring? So my first training session would have been 2008, yeah, 2008 with RQW, so Real Quality Wrestling. And I remember being the only woman that showed up there. And my first training session was three hours of nonstop back bumps. Jesus. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> like I got there and... They had everyone else who'd already had some training, so they were in the ring doing their own thing. And I was just outside on a very thin crash mat, just literally bump back to my feet, bump back to my feet over and over again, no break for three hours. Jesus. <clears throat> how did that make you feel being the only, the only woman in that class and, how, and, and being singled out in, in, that, in that way to kind of be put through the ringer in a lot of ways? It's like, I can't... Granted, I'm on the outside of this. I've I've never been in, in a training center, but like from what I understand, like three hours of back bumps is not necessarily day one stuff. <laughs> no, not generally. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's all the stories of people getting in in the 90s or 80s and, you know, they really put you through it. But I've not met anyone like kind of around my age or my experience that's kind of gone through that in their first one. And obviously with Eve Academy, I'm like one of the, well, I'm the only assistant trainer, but there's three trainers overall. And like with that and all the schools I've been to thereafter, like I've not found anyone else that does that. So I do think in a way they were kind of being like, right, she's our token woman. Will we see her on day two? Mm. Yeah, let's put her through this. She won't be able to walk tomorrow, but you know, let's see if she'll last. Did that make you more determined to kind of get through all of that and come back for day two? Oh, absolutely. Because I think by that point, I had decided that it was wrestling or nothing. Mm. And, you know, I, I knew it was going to be difficult one way or the other. And I think in a weird way, it kind of helped how many wrestling biographies I've read from wrestlers from a long time ago where them doing three hours of back bumps would not be unusual so I think going into it I didn't even I don't even think I went into it thinking any sexist angle I went into it oh, yeah everyone does three hours of back bumps on their first day <laughs> and that it wouldn't be until sometime later that I kind of learned maybe not the case for everyone mm. but if nothing else it does mean I'm an amazing bumper now so there you go you know what <laughs> It's it's that's a skill you need. <laughs> that's coming very handy. 
I'm curious to, to learn more about this the kind of approach that you had um, going into training. Um, you said that it was basically wrestling or nothing. Like what kind of brought you to that position for yourself? Um, I mean, obviously wrestling has been my dream, but I've never had a backup really. There was, there was never anything that kind of was on the same level of I'd be happy doing this instead. Like, you know, I went to college, went to uni, I've got all those degrees and qualifications, done nothing with them. And, you know, I realized there are avenues I can go down and options I can take. And I just don't think I'd be happy doing anything else. And I don't know if it will sound either depressing or inspirational, but I don't imagine life being worth living if I'm not doing something that makes me as happy as wrestling does hmm. you know i i totally understand that feeling in a in a way um especially speaking i just i just finished an article for outsports um where i talked to a number of trans wrestlers about the the, the healthcare rights issues that are happening in the states over here for trans people and you know i asked everyone that I spoke to for that article, if, you know, if their health, if trans healthcare rights were diminished or protections were gone, went away, would you feel, would you feel that wrestling was something you could continue doing, knowing the toll it takes on your body? None of them said no. Like none of them said, I mean, none of them said that they would stop. Like it's very much a, a passion and a dedication and in some way some for some people like a religious experience <laughs> um uh for that pro wrestling gives them so i i i find that that inspirational and and also i find it very prevalent among probably the most um dedicated um pro wrestlers that i've spoken with um which is pretty much all of, all of them <laughs> so far for the for for this show but i don't know it's just an interesting idea because i think that on the outside like obviously there are a lot of passionate fans for pro wrestling i mean um but i don't know if you can as someone on the outside if you can really understand the kind of passion that you would feel to you know basically like my life would not be as fulfilling if i couldn't do this do you kind of get that 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 vibe as well is that something that's kind of exclusive to people who step in the ring um <clears throat> i mean i think it's a thing that you get with anyone who's found their dream and it's not necessarily an easy well it can be easy to start it it can't be easy to get where you actually want to get so without that kind of dogged determination to do it it's just not a realistic end result, really. Mm. Now you definitely need it, especially when it comes to to something that can be as um, hard to penetrate as, as the pro wrestling scene can be um, with all of its obstacles and everything. But obstacles that you have been slamming down for years at this point, <laughs> honestly. Like, it's just been awesome to see because like I, I, when I learned about the Rebel Kenny persona and and this and this person does you being out there so open and honest and just like nah this is who I am you're going to accept it or you know catch a elbow or something you know like <laughs> like it's it was just it speaks to 
I think a lot of people's attitudes and especially the evolving attitudes of the queer community in that, you know, for the longest time, the queer community and no matter where they are have been like battling for table scraps in a lot of ways. I, I had another uh, Lo McGrath on the show a while back and, and they put it as, you know, we're scrounging for crumbs when we could be baking our own pie. And I think like a lot of the work that, that you've that you've done and just putting yourself out there is, is in empowering in a way because it kind of speaks to this like fuck you attitude that a lot of the community is starting to take now when it comes to fighting for for LGBTQ rights, for trans rights, for for uh, you know acceptance or and that sort of thing. Um, at what point did you feel well? Better question. At what point did Rebel Kinney kind of come into uh, the picture for you as as a persona? Um, and I'm assuming that a hundred percent of you is in that. So <laughs> like it just doesn't seem like there's there's a, a ton of difference from what I from what I've seen between the two. So I guess when did you feel like that was a, a the introduction of that character into pro wrestling or that persona into pro wrestling was something that you felt was needed to do? I mean, from day one, I knew that whatever my gimmick ended up being, it was going to be a lesbian wrestler. That was just an unavoidable fact of the matter. I mean, originally I did dance around the idea of being called Jess Van Dyke. Because, you know, why not go as gay as we can with everything I do? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) And, you know, I thought, if nothing else, it gives ammunition that they can, I don't know, sing Mary Poppins songs at me because I've got Dick Van Dyke's last name. You know, there are options there. (laughs) But, um, I mean... I've had the lesbian side on my knuckles since I was about 20, but I got queer tattooed on my chest in a few months just prior to my debut. So I knew immediately if they didn't see the knuckles, they were going to see that. That was immediately going to be emblazoned there. And I had my first gear made specifically so that that tattoo would be on show. Mm. So the second I go through the curtain, just everyone immediately knows that's a lesbian wrestler. Um, I know when I first started the character, I was going to kind of go down a slightly different route. I think there are parts of it that remain, but a lot of it's kind of gone away as it's gone on and, you know, different promotions and different needs and everything. Like, I was going to go originally more down a kind of feminist route. Hmm. And, you know, face, I can be, I'm doing it for women's rights and women empowerment and everything. And then I hate the phrase, but it's what can be understood by most people is as a heel, you know, the whole evil feminazi thing. Yeah. But that kind of became less realistic. And then I quite quickly went from being the silent monster heel to being incredibly vocal the more I went on and kind of the East London side of me kind of came out more and more and then I just remember in a match one day I decided to headbutt someone and say lesbians give the best head (laughs) (laughs) and 
a myth was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, yeah, you, you can't really go back on that once you've opened it, really. No. No, not really. But you know what? Who would want to? Honestly, <laughs> it's just too good. <laughs> no, so that, that's interesting. I, I didn't necessarily know that that um, you had started that you started out as like kind of wearing this on your sleeve. I, it's a, I know it's a cliche term, but it's just the I mean, it's literally on your body. You yeah. Know? So like that's interesting to me. Like, did you, were there any um, kind of queer people in pro wrestling whenever you were like getting into training or making your debut that you had to look up to in that way to kind of look to as someone else who would, who had been doing the kind of work that you wanted to do? Um, where I was training at the time, which is House of Pain in Nottingham, um, there was one gay wrestler who I know of called Visage. Oh, okay. Who has kind of a drag queen gimmick. Mm. So, you know, while not being a woman or a lesbian, it was still something that I could see being successful. And then Visage ended up being my third of a match. So I kind of got to say early on that I've had the gayest match so far. So, you know, that was always nice. And I think I've just been trying to up that ever since of, just right. That's my opponent. How gay can this match end up being? <laughs> well, speaking of gay matches, at some point, like you ended up in Pro Wrestling Eve, which I think is probably like the best like marriage for for your style and what you put out there in terms in terms of attitude. Um, so, how did that come to be? How did you end up linking up with Pro Wrestling Eve? So when I was training RQW, they kind of had a connection with Chick Fight, which was kind of the precursor to Eve. And basically every day after training, I would sneak slash steal some Chick Fight um, DVDs that they would have hidden away. And then those kind of became Shimmer DVDs and everything. Basically any... DVDs they had lying around RQW house that had women in it was going in my bag and then coming back the next week obviously but from that point onwards my dream kind of evolved from you know working for WWE like everyone wants to do to definitely not wanting to work for them but really wanting to go down the route of pro wrestling Eve just I saw everything that I wanted to be in all their matches and how they kind of portrayed everything they do and then shortly after I'd had a couple matches, but still less than 10, I think. No, it was less than 10. Um, they opened up Eve Academy. And still living in Nottingham at the time, and that's in London. But I kind of figured, like, right, that's, the, that's this weekend. Get on a coach, go down there to their first training session. That's your way in. And then just go from there. And like, I was the only person that showed up to training that, had, well, not just had a match, but really done training of any sort before as well. So one, I knew the eyes would be on me regardless of how I can wrestle at the time because I knew I was the only one that could at the time. So 
you know, my impress everyone boots were immediately on. Just do what you can in this training session, be really loud, make sure everyone knows that you're the psycho dyke and just see what happens next. And what happened next was a, a lengthy run with, with that company. And I think one of the more dynamic companies running in the Brit Rest scene right now you know like i really i i was watching i went back and watched some shows just to kind of prepare for for talking to you because like i always like refreshing myself before i sit down and talk with anybody and it's just every time you put on an eve show like the they have a way of putting out completely different attitudes from show to show but executing them all very very well and being able to like tell serious stories but also like injecting so much like humor into a lot of stuff it's 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 very very engrossing and i think it's you know a, a lot of the reason why they've gained such popularity especially in recent years you know i think the the wrestle queendom shows and the the she won tournament have definitely like up that profile a lot but there's a lot of groundwork that seems like you you were there out of the groundwork putting in a lot of that to build even to what it was or what it is rather not not was um what was it like for you to kind of have that opportunity to come into a company like basically from the ground floor and watch it kind of build into what it has and be part of that journey I mean, it was around several years before I got in there, but like, I can kind of say that for Eve Academy though, because there I was there for day one and I was the first person to graduate from Eve Academy and moving on to their shows and now being one of their trainers and everything. So with that, at least I like that. I mean, one, I like it when girls show up and say, well, queer people in particular will show up and say they started training because they saw me mm. like that that's absolutely wild and ridiculous to get in my head like I've only been a pro for three years and there are people doing it because they saw me like that that's insane to me <laughs> <laughs> and getting to see people that I've trained growing confidence and ability as they're kind of going through all the classes and everything like it's quickly became a very important thing to me my position in the training really no I can definitely understand that especially like having people that saw you as that entry point the same way that you saw jazz in that way like that's yeah I can I can definitely imagine that being something that would kind of make you take a step back and just be like ah. Like this is surprising, but also like I would imagine very, very inspiring in a lot of ways for yourself. And it also it speaks to kind of like the the youth of the of like the queer wrestling movement in a lot of ways. Like youth as in like the length of time has been happening. Obviously, there have been queer people in pro wrestling dating back to the forties, but in terms of like being having so many people feeling comfortable to be out in themselves in the way that people are now, like that is a much more recent um, growth point, I think. And because of that, I think that it's very quick that a lot of people 
um, within queer communities that see the people that are now like basically just putting themselves out there with no restraint uh, about and, and different ways also of like showing what, what queerness can represent in pro wrestling. It, it makes sense that those people would start to latch onto that and would be inspired by that. Even if it's somebody like yourself that's only been a pro for three years, like that's three years of people seeing someone that they hadn't seen for decades before at that point that speaks to them. Does that give you kind of any added um, weight to what you do in the ring, knowing that there are people that already are feeling inspired to follow you into this business just by seeing you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's hard enough to get on a show being a woman and not just be the only women's match on there. So then it's even harder to be on a show with queer people and then it's even harder again to be the lesbian on the show and obviously with Eve that isn't always the case like I've been on shows and there's a plethora of queer people in the locker room and you know I'm not the only lesbian there and I only want to kind of see that grow and get more and more like I know when I started I even within queer wrestlers I don't think there were loads that were kind of as out about their queerness. And I think in a lot of cases, that was just because they didn't think they could be out about it. You know, everyone can know backstage, but you might not take it further than that. And I've known queer wrestlers with queer gimmicks, but for a very long time, they would still say that they were straight. Hmm. Just to, you know, kind of, hide certain aspects of it while being so overt with it. So while I don't think in a lot of cases, you know, people were necessarily inspired by me, some are, some aren't, but you know, that's its own thing. But I like that people do now feel comfortable that they can just be themselves with their character. No, it's it's important. I mean, it, just in terms of a, a pro wrestling aspect, like if you're not in tune with who you are in the ring, like it, that it doesn't communicate to the audience in that way but even more so if you're not true to yourself with with who you want to be in the ring like there's there's really nothing else you can do like if you're not if you're not feeling it and you embody it then who else is going to believe it yeah. in that way and then I, I i don't know to me that adds a lot of extra power to stuff like what you and and cassius and and a number of other people in the brit rest scene are doing now where like you are just putting it everything out there you know and i don't know it's 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 just amazing to see personally um for me because you know as someone who like kind of grew up in the same way with a lot of people or like I didn't really see that for myself either like it was um it's it's just amazing to see this this these gen new generations kind of being able to have that to latch on to I did want to talk to you a little bit more about um Eve specifically because you know like you said it's it there's a difficulty in, in getting booked as a woman. Since Eve's introduction being an all women's promotion in over there, like have you seen the, the attitudes 
towards um, booking women change at all um, in the scene as a whole? Um, I'd say in some ways it has, but the unfortunate thing I find with fans of Eve in particular is in a lot of cases they're fans of Eve, but they're not necessarily fans of wrestling. Mm. Or at least kind of wrestling as a wider thing. So they'll watch Eve, they'll go to Eve shows, but they won't have an interest in other shows because they don't see themselves or what they want to see in those shows. And while Eve probably gets more media coverage than a lot of other promotions, I don't necessarily think some promotions feel they need to necessarily pay attention to it. Mm. Because I think they kind of find that they have their corner of the industry and they're happy with that and in those cases that corner of the industry doesn't necessarily include women in it mm. I mean obviously there are some like Riptide being a particular one that comes to mind is yeah they're very aware of how everything is changing and how they need to keep up with it and who they need to value in order to grow and get better and the industry can improve as well yeah, Riptide is a name that always kind of comes up whenever I think about the kind of more positive and, and progressive areas of the Brit Rest scene as well. I don't know. It's just it's just a company that has kind of embodied a lot of values that I think are, are valuable now in not just pro wrestling, but society as a whole. Very, very upset, accepting, very, very um, diverse audiences as well as diverse competitors, you know, and and you know this i think the same can be said for eve it's, it's interesting because like i think for people that aren't like as engrossed in the brit rest scene it seems like a number of the companies kind of curry to the same um like attitudes and fan bases in that way like if you like watch an eve show you watch a rev pro show you watch even like a an ott show in ireland like it seems like you have a very similar environment and atmosphere in those shows um, but they're all for like, not significantly different products, but definitely different products in, in what they put out. And it's interesting to hear there's not as much bleed over there based on like how similar those atmospheres come across. Is there anything like that, that you can point to in terms of like why Eve hasn't, why the Eve audience is so segmented in that way? I would say that with Eve, they kind of, put the product together that they wanted to do which due to the people behind it it was going to be very punk and feminist and then the audience saw that as a great alternative that was doing something nobody else was doing and whereas I think in a lot of cases of promotions they will in certain cases do what they need to for the money like you know you see with WWE they decide to go with women once they realize that's going to get them the money but prior to that they didn't go in that direction at all whereas mm. with eve they have their ethics and their ideals straight and they know what where they need to be going with it instead of kind of changing direction one minute to the next and that definitely comes across i feel like it's a very concerted effort to put an idea and a, a motive out there in terms of like what they want to see 
and and um what the, the stories they want to tell in the ring and you know and that atmosphere has definitely allowed you and a number of other queer uh wrestlers to be able to tell those stories and to and to kind of bring a lot of um topics that necessarily wouldn't be in in other pro wrestling scenes or over there or anywhere really um until recent years i i definitely go back to like you uh forming the tag team of the stonewall revolution and like that's a that's a heavy thing to to get into invoke um in in any pro wrestling instance especially considering you know like everybody knows the name stonewall especially in queer communities they know about stonewall but there's so much history tied to stonewall and the people that really participated in Stonewall and, and sparked the, the the queer rights movement that is lost in in a lot of um, kind of rebranding, for lack of a better word, of the queer community. How important is it for you to be able to, you know, whether it be the, the Stonewall Revolution tag team or just continually like putting yourself out there in the Eve shows, how important is it for you to have the opportunity provided by them to have the space to, to put queer stories and, and queer personalities out in the ring? No, I'd say it's very important. Um, even if other promotions kind of start going in the direction of, you know, more queer content and everything, I do wonder kind of, what angle they would go with it whereas with Eve they let us tell our own stories like a lot of Stonewall Rebellion including the name was put together by us and <laughs> don't worry I did notice you getting it wrong but yes I feel <laughs> bad now <laughs> it's okay. okay I make mistakes it's cool um I mean with that they they put me and Sky together, but from then onwards, it was, you know, kind of down to us where we went with it, really. And it may not have gone very far, unfortunately, but still getting the opportunity to do that of being a lesbian woman, a lesbian, as if you get any other kind of lesbian, <laughs> <laughs> a lesbian and a bisexual woman, getting to do that and do it our own way was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, it's important to to have people in the ring to tell these stories, but it's also important to have people that know about this community be able to tell those stories and have the opportunity to do so. And that's what that I think that speaks to a lot of the concern that I think that you voiced and that a lot of people have when it comes to other companies trying to include and, and promote queer um, personas and queer storylines in that way because if you don't have anybody that really knows that experience and can speak to it then like where are you even coming from with trying to tell that kind of story yeah yeah it's, it's why the few instances where you do see those you can always tell they've been written by a man and absolutely does not involve any queer wrestlers doing the story as well and it, it usually involves some stalking angle. Yeah. It, why is it always the stalking angle? I, I really wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
it's like they got it right once and thought yeah this is this is queer culture let's just keep doing this forever and ever and ever oh lord or the fun way of one of them's a lesbian but she has mind control powers and is going to gradually turn the person gay yes that uh that lovable gay agenda of <laughs> Lord. Yeah, there's, so, there's so few of us we need to turn the straights that that's how it's going to work mm-hmm. that's, how we, that's how we build our numbers exactly it's the ultimate goal yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um there were a couple of other Eve things I wanted to, to, to ask you about before we, we move off of there and kind of talk about like where you're going in, in the future, obviously. But um, I think a major moment for for you as well as just representation as a whole and an, an event that stands out to me personally as one of my favorites that Eve has put out there, Chris Wolf's retirement show from last year um, was... I think uh, it's first off, it's just a great idea for a show in terms of like, a, like giving Chris the chance to like live out different facets of her life in wrestling matches. It was just, it was just a very odd thing, but the the, the perfect odd thing to put out there in the way that it was. And yeah, it, it was very Chris Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> but like having her there as another, um, as another out queer person in in pro wrestling and really being seminal i think for for pro wrestling eve especially um you had the chance to get in the ring with her on on that show as part of the the gauntlet um what was that experience like for you to to be in i know you had been in the ring with chris before this but like this being her last show with eve at least um what was it like for you to have the chance to be in the ring for one last time with her? And what influence did Chris have on, on you as a, as a fellow queer person in the company? So I've actually got a weird experience from that night, oh. which is I almost didn't make it. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, I was wrestling at a different show that same day. And like base I don't know if you can tell when I come out in that match I'm wearing my street clothes because I've literally just run through the door (laughs) I had I was wondering it it, it threw me off a little bit (laughs) yeah when I randomly come on commentary that's because I've literally just stood next to Dan up at commentary and then he says and join me now Rebel Kinney as I'm standing there, like still breathing heavily because I've sprinted on an, I've basically gone from one end of London to the other to try and make it there for the show. Wow. And then live, he's just saying, right, now you're on commentary with me. And like, I was back and forth on the phone to them all the way on the travel up there to see if I was going to make it in time, if I was still going to be on it. And then, as I was almost there, I got a text saying that I had to be cut from the show mm. because I wasn't going to make it in time and kind of the spot wouldn't happen. And then because someone who knew I wasn't there yet hadn't told the tech crew, they played my music. So 
by incredible happenstance, I just managed to make it there for Chris Wolf's last match. But you can even hear Dan panicking as my, my uh, music plays, where he says that Rebel Kinney isn't here as I'm on commentary with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, you, you're not in your gear. You, you've sprinted over here. You haven't done your makeup or anything. No, I'm, she's not in the building. Not in the building at all. And uh, yeah, he's trying to signal to Emily, to signal to the tech crew while my music's playing. And yeah, the crowd now expecting I'm gonna come down the stairs. And yeah, he just leans into me and tells me to go down and <laughs> do something quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, even though not a lot happens in that little match, everything we did was decided in the hug. Yeah, I get in there, hug her, and I literally tell her, and she's telling me, right, this is what we're now going to do. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Like, it's that's so interesting. Like just to like just to see like because when you watch a lot of pro wrestling shows, they look like well-oiled machines in terms of live productions and that sort of thing. But to know like just exactly like how quickly something can can be thrown out of whack and cause everything else to kind of fly and yet you and Chris are still able to like in the midst of a hug like put everything else together even for like a, a short little thing like even you're, you're but you're able to just think on your feet in that way like that's a, that's a skill that's a skill that even like some pro wrestlers don't have so that's really interesting to hear especially considering how that moment came off because like if like moment feels very powerful like it almost has like the kinetic energy of everything coming on going around it kind of got infused into it in a way yeah yeah with that i often think if i had been even just five minutes late through the door like that would have been my unintentional heel turn because <laughs> you know my, my music would have played for this incredible moment and i just don't show up <laughs> and mm. Yeah, that was my second official Eve match as well. So mm. what a terrible moment to go here all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? What if you had missed that moment to be in the ring with Chris that night? Like what how how would you have felt coming out of that? On the way there, I I mean I I, I basically felt it. Like I was mm. devastated as I was leaving the underground station and I got that text saying me telling me that I was cut from the show as as I can hear the crowd coming out of the building and yeah I've like missed my chance to kind of have a great moment and say bye to Chris mm. because my match with her at Eve um she evolution that they did I wrestled her on the first one of those, and that was my 10th ever match. Mm. And an incredible learning experience for me. And yeah, getting to be in there with one of the very few lesbian wrestlers and someone who can control a crowd in such a unique way like Chris can. So, and like she, basically booked that entire show. That was all in her mind. So 
she wanted me in, on that card, I think in kind of a passing the torch sort of way. Mm. So kind of bring me up onto the show as she's leaving it. So I think it had a lot of meaning behind it and had that not happened then. I think a lot would have been lost from my career going forward, but also a lot of me personally. Mm. No, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about Eve specifically. Um, obviously, earlier this year, um, Emily, the one of the co-founders, kind of um, fell into some some hot water per se around. Some comments that um, many labeled as uh, transphobic around an event where Eve was going to be putting on a show with an all-women audience, um, and some trans women took exception to some of the comments that she made, and she ultimately stepped down from the company. Being um, one of the more out and vocal queer um, members of the Eve roster, and and you know being a trainer at Eve Academy. Um, how did that whole like interchange like impact you? Did did you have any um, any th- thoughts or, or opinions around that situation there? I'd say with that, like what Emily said, definitely wasn't right. But I also don't think it's how she meant it. I, I, I do think she meant well, but put it across in the wrong way and perhaps needed to educate herself a little bit more on a few things just to kind of make her point clear. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was done, but I do believe she meant well with what they were trying to do and trying to include and obviously I can only say this as someone who's cis but I do think that they meant well what they were trying to do and trying to be inclusive but I just don't think they had educated themselves on necessarily the right language to use in order to put that point across properly Mm. do you still think that the uh the all-women audience show is something that will be pursued by the company obviously like you're not in leadership there so you only speak to it so much but like do you think that 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 is something that they'll keep uh trying to pursue coming out of the pandemic whenever they can run shows again i honestly don't know but in some ways if done properly and consult with the right people which i know they have been doing then the original intent can be had. But I've, I've no idea if they intend on going forward with it again. Mm. Yeah. But I do think being at a show and in the crowd as a woman and a queer person, sometimes you can feel, depending on the people around you, that you're not as safe as you'd like to be. So as long as I make it clear of what they mean, I think it can be a positive step. Kind of all parties involved need to understand fully what comes under the blanket of non-binary and trans and everything like that, so that everything they want it to be can be done properly. Yeah, because it's not in 
in like foundation it's not necessarily a, a bad idea because like a number of people you know from from marginalized communities and that have been have been very vocal about feeling uncomfortable at shows you know no matter where they're being held um and i think that's why the kind of influx of of queer events and a lot of like all women's promotions that that's really created a lot of spaces where people that do feel uncomfortable at other shows can have a place to feel comfortable it's just you have to understand what all that entails and and you know like yeah emily's the way that she that she spoke about it um was incredibly frustrating to to see but i get the intention it's just one of those things where like trans women are women non-binary people are suffer the some of the same stigmas and some of the same issues that that women and and like that cis women uh and trans women face whenever they go to pro wrestling shows as well it's just a matter of like learning how to speak to those communities in in a way yes. that makes those things fruitful and because i i still like the idea it's just you just have to figure out the right way to speak to those communities and it's good to hear that the, that the, the, i don't know it it's good to hear that the, the people that are running eve are still like kind of like trying to educate themselves on that like i i don't i know emily stepped down did dan is dan still there yes dan is yeah dan is so runner of it now okay so it's good to hear that that you know dan is going to to put in put in the work but you know the work has to be done for for that sort of thing because yes absolutely yeah um well coming out of coming out of where we've been in 2020 so far we're looking forward to 2021 hopefully pandemic uh can be brought under control a bit and we can get back to running shows what is what are you looking forward to for the future of rebel kenny going forward honestly i want to get out of the country (laughs) (laughs) i mean so far other than the UK, the only country I wrestled in was Italy. So, like, America, Canada, obviously Japan, Mexico, while, of course, still trying to extend my reach across the country, but I just want to wrestle as far and wide as I can, wrestling more people than I've ever done before with... I want to wrestle people that can do things... I can't and that I've not seen before. Like, I I love coming out of a match, but I immediately know how good it was. Just being in there, you can tell that, yep, everything kind of flowed nicely as it should do. And you were getting the, the right reactions at the right moments and just what you were trying to do worked. And I want to do that in as many places as I can. Is there any particular um, company or or person or persons that you want to get in, step into the ring with? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I have had a list of ten wrestlers that I wrote when I first started um, training who I wanted to wrestle, and I've only wrestled two of them. Mm. So if nothing else, I need to complete that list. And I mean, there are some incredible names that I want to 
wrestle with Mako Satomura being top of that list. Because I, I do think, regardless of gender, sex or anything, she is just the best in the world. Yeah. Um, and having seen her work and, yeah, getting an opportunity like that would be insane for me. <laughs> no, I can imagine. And you speak the truth. Like, she is amazing amazing at what she does no and and as someone from the states like i would be very excited to have have you over here and have the chance to see you live um especially considering like the how bubbling the 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 queer pro wrestling scene is over here right now like i think Mm -hmm. that you know i am very very ready for the borders to open back up and for everybody to kind of get back to um running shows safely and um and having the chance to to get you over here <laughs> like that that'll just be i don't know I, that's just i'm selfish in that way that's just yeah, me i mean i'm i can i think i can be considered mildly selfish because i'm so annoyed that i didn't get to do my canadian tour this year oh i had it all planned for the summer and then obviously it didn't happen yeah yeah but i like i had a few contacts in candle and like Jules Malone was going to get me on a few things and uh Freddie Mercuria mm. but I still know those people so there's always another year exactly <laughs> there's another summer coming up exactly so. <laughs> <laughs> well it's been a blast having you on I've, I've I'm glad that we had the chance to to finally sit down and chat yeah I I I relish this um and, and I'm glad that we had the chance to let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, gladly. Um, so on Insta, you can find me at Rebel Girl Kinney, girl spelled G-R-R-L, because I'm difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and on Twitter at Rebel Girl PK. Thank you so much, Rebel. And thank you. Well, thanks once again to Rebel Kinney for coming on the show and and really opening up about you know her inspirations and her path to where she is now and you know still young in her wrestling career but definitely well on her way to bigger and better spots um, within it you know and I think the the message that she puts out um, with you know just living the way that she does and and really having the attitude that she does when it comes to not just her identity, but you know, herself um, as a whole is something that can be very, very empowering um, for a lot of people. Um, also very, very funny at times as well. And, and I, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the chance to, to get to chat with her. Um, yeah. So that's going to do it for us here on the show this week. But of course we cannot say goodbye uh, without highlighting some of the uh, rad people that make this show as awesome as it is. Uh, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. Big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for our theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at Sarah in the Safe Word.bandcamp.com. 
Um, if you want to check out the uh, best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, independentwrestling.tv is your one-stop shop. Um, they have live events from top independent promotions worldwide, as well as a wide library to access um, and, and check out stuff. You know, they still have, I believe they still have nominations open for the IWTV Awards uh, for 2020. So if you want to jump in and have the chance to vote on those as well, um, you need a subscription. But if you want a taste of what a subscription gives you, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT, and you get a five-day free trial to peruse all of the awesome offerings that they have on their service and figure out if it's something that you want in your life. It's pretty good. So just pop in that promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free to try it out. It's good stuff there. And of course, if you are into video games, you can always check out uh, the video game news show that I co-host called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. That goes live every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment, Sun like the star. Um, it's just a good little two hours of getting together with some friends and running through the week's gaming news, you know, having fun with where we can and offering critique where it's needed. It's always a good time. So check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And, you know, just check out all the good stuff we have going on in Outsports right now. Um, yeah, it's always good stuff over there. Uh, but that will do it for us here this week on the show. So until next week, um, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. And do things your way. Bye! She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live Where the moon is high and the devil is shot Stick It's the formula 666